bitch ass. What? You ain't nothing but a little bitch ass. No. A little bitch ass. We talk real low. Then when the people turn the volume, we get loud and blow their brains out. Probably going to hate that. I read an article today because I was, I'm starting to think literary submissions, like literary journals submitting to them is a scam now. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. like, uh, like, why do you got to pay a fee? And like, what are they doing with this money? So I looked it up and I found an article that's very interesting. Um, I'm not going to go into the article, but I will discuss one main point about the article that blew my mind. Uh, not the fact that this is true, the the fact that I'll announce, I'll say announce mm. after. So most, if not all, literary journals make no money. I mean, yeah, they might have... Because uh, nobody wants to read that shit. Yeah. So if they go through like the submittable and stuff, you have it showed the prices for it. It's really expensive to get like certain amount. Like, you know, they got tiers. Like, you could have the basic submittable, the premium, whatever, and it like automates your submissions. And like when people send you shit, it has a cap and all this stuff. Like, it, okay, so if they're having a submission fee for like three bucks, that's like a common submission fee. That just offsets their cost for that, pays for that. For the most part, they're not making money from their journal. They're not really selling it. And the people who are running these journals, like the reason they're even there still and not out of business is because the staff is just passionate about it. Usually it's a very limited staff, just an editor, maybe a couple people. Uh, they just have a, a passion for it and they just want the journal to, you know, just like an art, a creative art thing. And usually a lot of interns that are unpaid that read the submissions and go through, do the grunt work, you know, and they get uh, credits for college or whatever. So uh, Bryce, who was on the podcast, he that's how he that's what he did after college. He went and worked at one of these uh, journals. Um, I forget the name, Autumn Hill, maybe or Autumn House, something like that. But he said he worked at one of those, and he they just had him doing grunt work, reading submissions and shit. But it looks good on your resume. Or yeah, whatever, you know, he worked at a press. Here's here's the fact I'm gonna announce, Spencer. I don't know if this. You know what? Change it. It's not a fact. It's a question. I'll I'll, right. I'll put this as a, a question to you. If these journals are making no money, and I'm talking about like not even the shit journals or the low ones that barely anyone reads, I'm talking about like top journals. Uh, even like maybe the New Yorker and Paris Review probably aren't making that much money anymore, especially if they're paying for uh, work. Like yeah. a lot of the journals don't pay for work, but the ones that do, then they're really probably in the hole. So here's my question If these journals aren't making money, then one, why are they still so hip on the whole diversity stuff? Because if you look like big corporate America that's, you know, pushing all the diversity stuff, it's because it makes money, they think. Mm. I don't know if that's true or not, if it actually does, but, the, you know, they're catering to what is popular now and what's more popular than, like, LGBTQ stuff and diversity stuff and all that. That's fine if they want to do that just because they, you know, that's how they feel. But are they doing it because that's how they actually feel or are they doing that because they think it's going to get them more readers or? Yeah, I would probably say the majority of that stuff for anything. They're doing it because either, like you said, you think they think it's going to make them money. But here's the thing. Or, not... or, or, or it's going to make them look good. Th that's the thing. They makes them look good. But here's the thing. So if nobody's reading these for the most part and they're not selling anything, they're not making any money off of these which I would love to see the number of uh, actual sales for their journals, the ones that actually do sell. I bet they're very, very low. So if they're not making money off of this and put the diversity stuff aside now, why are they still publishing so many just non-stories? So much unoriginal drivel that all pretty much reads the same. Like, why don't they... If I'm, Here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm running a journal... That while not making any money, it's successful enough. It's getting, let's say, ten thousand submissions a year, you know, a couple th a thousand or two thousand a month, maybe or something. Like even if it was in the hundreds, you're getting a lot of submissions you have to go through. 
Why do you keep picking the stuff that's so boring that nobody's interested in? Why wouldn't you pick stuff that takes risk? Well, stuff that could be universally hated, but it's interesting or stuff that, you know, could be the diamond in the rough where it's written such a crazy way that it stands out. Maybe I will answer that with a with another question. Do you think that those places are even getting those kind of stories? That th- there has to be some. Well, yeah, there probably are some, but I think, and this is just me as an outsider who don't who doesn't really venture into the literature side of things. You know, the the common you know misconception I'm sure is it's all these guys just and gals just you know smelling their own farts yeah. and and that's kind of like the same old thing you know that, well that brings up a good point because you know if you're really serious about submissions you are going to read some of the stories in the journal to see what they take so what are you going to write stories like what you read in the journal yeah. so you get this cycle where it's just the same shit recycled mm-hmm. over and over and over so you get these literary journals where it's like oh we want, I'm just assuming they would want to publish something that's a little more, uh, like, I don't want to say experimental, but just different. How, if, if most of the stuff they get is the same kind of stuff, they just have to pick the best of that. So, And even if they do get one that's a little out there, they probably, I don't want to say ignore it, but with the bulk of submissions, it just probably slips through and they don't even mm. notice, you know? Uh, another thing, which I've noticed is a common, um, like like a commonality for all these journals, they seem to all pick, especially the higher-end journals, people that have, like, MFAs and, like, all these lists of publications, and, the, you know, they're, they're heads of committees and in societies, like, you know, the Cormac McCarthy Society, whatever. Like, they work for, academic, you know, all these uh, academic journals, just things like that. So they have these bios that fluffs them up, and then that's the stories they're picking. Again, the reader doesn't care. Unless it's, like, a known writer, like, you know... Uh, Joyce Carol Oates or something, they don't actually care who is writing the story as long as it's a good story. They're not looking at, I never look at the bios and go, oh, that makes it better. It's, just, it's a it's a big, like, circle joke. It's just like, I'm yeah. going to stroke you off, well, you stroke me off, and then we're both going to stroke this other guy off, and we'll all be happy. I saw a comment, which actually got me to look up the, uh, you know, try to find some articles on this. Was It was on Facebook, of all things. It was uh, a writing contest in the fee... For submitting was like sixteen bucks, mm. and a lot of people were like upset it was too high or something. And one of the guys, the I'm not to paraphrase, I don't remember the exact word he used, but he said it was. Um, I, I'm not to paraphrase because I don't think the word he used was a real word. Okay. I think he meant something else. Actually, I think he said pomp, and what I think he meant was pompous. Yeah, but uh, so I'll just use pompous. He said it was like a pompous pyramid scheme, and what I took away from that is. It is kind of like, not necessarily a pyramid scheme, but it's kind of like you have uh, like a closed society. You know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. You went to Yale, and I am a professor at Yale, and I have students who run this literary magazine, so you have a very good shot of getting in the magazine because I have connections. It's kind of like we've talked about before, like... uh... Like with like a lot of indie creators, but by like, oh, you buy my book, I buy your uh, yeah. book. It's all nice and good, but in the end, it doesn't really do anything. Yeah. And so I, I I feel like it's almost kind of like another level of that, like the next level up of that, or like the the academia level of of yeah. that kind of thing. Almost like a form of nepotism. It's like you know who you know gets you into the magazine, not the work you're submitting. I don't know about you, but I think that's hot garbage. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, and. 
See, that's the one thing when we ran DPW, uh, the website, I always made sure I didn't read the bios before I read the uh, the work that was submitted. I read the work first because I don't want to be like, oh, this person is... Unless if you made a hefty donation to the website. That would be different. <laughs> that's another one. I wonder if they do that, you know, because they have tip jars and stuff on a lot of these websites. But let's say someone submitted a work and in their bio they have, you know, their Facebook has 100,000 followers and they had this book and this book out and they won this award. It's like, wow, that's very cool. But the story is dog shit. But yeah. if I see that information beforehand, even me. Uh, You're like, oh, the viewers. Ah, that'll get us more reads. That'll give us more visitors to the site. I should probably just, you know, because they're going to share it. Everybody's going to look at the site, which I get it. It makes good business sense. Uh, well, and that's if that's what even he's saying is true. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think that's a good way of running a journal. I remember a letter I saw. It was a rejection letter for Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I believe that's his name. I always fuck up that guy's name because I haven't read his work. I'm one of those guys, if I don't read someone's work, the name doesn't stick properly in my head. Well, he also has like five first names. Yeah, he uh, wrote 100 Years of Solitude, I believe, and won the Nobel Prize and all this shit. Great author. I just haven't read his work yet. Uh, magical Realism. But he got a uh, one time he had a submission to Rolling Stone, I believe it was, and they had to reject him. And this is probably post Nobel Prize winning. <laughs> uh, he before, like after he won the award and all these, uh, probably a bunch of other awards. He was super famous at yeah. the time, and they had to reject him because I guess the story wasn't that good. And it was like the best rejection letter I ever saw because they don't want to offend the guy. Yeah, it's fucking you know super famous. They're like wow, that'd be like somebody that'd be like a horror magazine rejection Stephen King because. Oh, well, the story's dog yeah. shit, Stephen King, but they can't say that. So they, like, gave all this stuff. So it's just, you know, and this, and it wasn't just quite right, but it was so amazing. Like, they're just, like, sucking him off, basically, just to, so he would submit again. But it just also makes me laugh. It's like, he's submitting. Like, I remember there was a story, a Haruki Murakami story in The New Yorker I saw. I don't know. It could be five, ten years ago at this point. I don't know. Because uh, I used to have a subscription to The New Yorker way back when. I got one of those deals online where it was, like, a dollar for a year. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I just remember seeing Haruki. Hasn't said an and like an ex crackhead sell it to you. No, it was uh something online, Amazon or I don't know. It was like I got five different magazines for like a buck. Like, okay, uh, that's when that magazines were really crashing and it was yeah, going out yeah. of business, and they're just trying to save it any way they could. But anyway, I saw a Haruki Murakami story in one. Of, I don't even remember if I read the story, but the first thing I just thought of was this could be a horrible story, and they're publishing it anyway. Like. Just it's, so it's they can have the name. Yeah, it's Haruki Murakami. They're going to publish it regardless. Uh, so that, I mean, that comes with fame. But when you see people who aren't famous, but they just have like this big list in their bio to make them stand out. Long story short, this is why I submit to a lot of journals that do blind readings. I prefer that. But I mean, at this point anymore, that's very rare. Usually they want you to, you don't want your pronouns. They want your, you know, sexual orientation, your race. They want everything. I'm like, why do you need all this information? The episode we're going to be having today, Spencer, is probably just going to be more of this. Yeah. Uh, not literary journals necessarily, but I do have something that goes towards the literary journals, but we'll discuss that uh, in a little bit here. First, we have to take a break. I have to come up with Spencer's stupid name. Uh, we have to play three games of chess. <laughs> um, I watched this documentary on Bobby Fischer. Oh, <laughs> God. I'm a chess guy. Uh, so anyway, folks, uh, stick around. You 
are listening to the what are they listening to, Spencer? Drunken Pen Podcast? Uh, not even close. Drunken Just stop. Well, you are listening Writing Pen Oral Listening. <laughs> oral. <laughs> you are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Oh, okay. I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Kingston Cock Cooker Church. Chickens. Okay. Chickens. I couldn't say chicken because it sounds like, you know, an H sound. Yeah. Maybe cock. Whoever decided the word cock meant penis or chicken? <laughs> right. Who, who makes these decisions? Probably the same guy who was like, oh, you want to know what a, an abbreviation for Richard is? Dick. I kind of wish there was a name that the abbreviation was Tallywhacker. <laughs> because that word, I try to keep it in play, but a lot of people just look at you when you say <laughs> it. It's a, it's like a high-class word. Well, I think a lot of them, though, probably, like, kids nowadays probably don't even know what a Tallywhacker is. That's the problem. There's two words that have gone out of vogue and I think need to come back. One's a more modern word. Tallywhacker feels like from its like the 1700s or something. It has yeah. to be old. There's history behind Tallywhacker. Tallywhacker has been through uh, a hard time in recent year, but it's been around a long time. Now, do you think maybe that's just because, like, uh, we, you know, we're more, we, you know, live more up to the north? Because I feel like Tallywhacker might get more play down south. I feel like Tallywhacker's in English, more t- English than anything. Maybe. Yeah, but Tallywhacker is just, it's a good word. The second word, which is a more, I don't know the origin of this word either, and I don't think it's been around as long, but it's, one of the grosser words that we grew up with that I love that just really you don't hear anymore. Schlong. Yeah. What a great word. Schlong. Yeah. What could that possibly have meant ever that wasn't penis? <laughs> right. And why does it mean penis? That sounds like some kind of slug monster. Right. Schlong. That sounds like an alien from Star Trek. I don't I don't know. Like that's like an alien race. The the schlong are coming. <laughs> like I like it. I like schlong. I love schlong. <laughs> So what do you prefer, schlong or tallywhacker? Uh, we have them both. Whoa. You got real high pitch there. While we're in this area, before we get to the seriousness of this episode, which isn't serious, should we come up with a word ourselves? Could we invent a word for a penis? Mm. Dude, I don't think there needs to be more words for penis. Yeah, I feel like you can almost use anything for penis nowadays. It's just yeah, everything kind of works. Yeah, everything works. I wish I wish I knew more penis words. Surprisingly, I don't think I know you enough. Know what, you know what I always liked? I always liked member. Member? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a more uh, sophisticated yeah. word. Shaft is a mm. shaft's a good one. Though that's more member and shaft are more specific to the uh, trunk. <laughs> of, of the schlong yeah it doesn't really factor in the mushroom tip you know <laughs> yeah uh, and we've called a mushroom tip they're only talking about the tip which is weird um uh, but anyway i'm just saying we need to bring some of these words back because dick overused cock is like old white people porn i don't yeah. like when they say that in porn it's like ah oh, give me your cock i'm like ew ew <laughs> don't say that i always think like the word cock is said by someone named like bethany or <laughs> Methany or just one of them names and has like big hair. I don't from the eighties. We've gone way off topic. To the actual discussion is about if you read the title, which I might make it proper. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. How money is destroying art, killing art, wrecking art. Money is doing bad things to art. Uh, do you agree with that statement? When money is involved, art goes. Yes. But it's also, it also sucks because it's hard to do without. It does suck because 
without money, most people can't create great art. And with an overabundance of money involved, people tend to do what's going to sell, and that usually isn't great art. I'm trying to steer this towards writing. We talked about this in the introduction about, well, not the introduction, the cold open. We talked about this in the cold open, how like these literary journals don't take risk with their submissions. They don't tend to accept things that are experimental. Uh, outside of the journals that actually only publish experimental, let's uh, almost gone too extreme, you know. Mm. Then we only publish the wacky stuff. This goes with the like just the publishing world as a whole. I don't see too many books come out nowadays that are like, wow, that's different. Mm. That's weird, but in a good way. Uh, you don't see a lot of that in comics, probably either. You outside. Um, this is obviously all outside of indie. I'm talking about mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, presses and uh, as far as comics goes, like Marvel and DC. You don't see too many risks taken. I will say, like the offshoots with like comics, like Image and stuff. You'll see more of that, uh, more artistic stuff. But that's also because that's not a direct representation of the big two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not going to see a Batman story or a Spider-Man story that really goes off the wall too often. Every once mm-hmm. in a while, but usually it's like a it's definitely not going to be in the continuity of yeah. the main story going on. It's not going to be in a main line or a main just run. Shoot it off by itself and have it be its own thing. If yeah, you're, if you're lucky. Yeah. So whenever you get like you know gay radioactive Spider-Man mm. who's slinging weird webs from his cock, you are not putting that on a main run. It's funny that you say that because in the new, <laughs> they have like a new. It's just uh, called Spider-Man. No ad- adjective Spider-Man. Is he gonna be hanging upside down, but instead of kissing Mary Jane, he's kissing something else? No, but oh, they they I don't read it then. they uh they go back into the Spider Verse stuff, Ooh. and we get to see they introduce like the the first yeah the, like gay Spider-Man and that. That was gonna be more entertaining. No, but you know, but you just brought up the gay Spider-Man. I was like, oh, that's funny because they kind of just did that. Like, I like the idea of the hanging upside down. Yeah. And what could you imagine a gay Spider-Man? What he could do? Ooh. He would have to be the the bottom right with the, the flexibility and the he, a lot of power. He generates mm, so much gyration. <laughs> um, <laughs> he does. If he was the bottom, he'd definitely be a power bottom. <laughs> that's gross. Uh, <laughs> yucky. That's not gross, Spencer. Why you gotta be a bigot? Uh, where were we? Oh, uh, so you're not gonna see that story though be in like a main run. Like that's not gonna be just oh, Spider-Man is doing a lot of crazy gyrations. He's yeah. gyration man, whatever. You're not generally gonna see that kind of change because one, it's a change. It could be undone, but then there's a lot of shit that mm-hmm. goes along with that. They don't like to do that. Uh, they stick with what they know, just like the movies. We stick with what we know and what's gonna make us a billion dollars. Here's the problem. It's not going to always make you a billion dollars. At some point, people are going to get sick of the same old shit. And you have to do something different. Uh, when it comes to movies, they just usually just another genre takes off. Mm-hmm. And the one that was so popular, like Westerns in the old days, was tanked. Yeah, Crime Noir was popular for a while. Fuck, what else? Like uh, gangster movies were popular for Remember a while. Remember when uh, the comedies were all the, like all the raunchy rage? comedies, uh, rom coms were real. You had the adolescent American Pie humor ones, and then you had the rom coms, which are a step above, but those were always like this saccharine sweet comedy. Mm-hmm. Usually inoffensive, but then there was a line of like Judd Apatow stuff came out that was, uh, it blended both. You had mm-hmm. the rom com, like knocked up. You had like, oh, it's a romantic comedy that is also bottom of the barrel humor, which I like those the most. Yeah, right. Nowadays, it's like the comic book movies, but obviously those aren't going to last forever, and I think they're already Avatar. Kinda... Yeah. All the Avatars. 
They're not making Avatar. Like, Mean Girls, Fetch isn't going to happen. Yeah. Like, you could try all you want to make it happen. It's not going to happen. Just give it up. Nobody wants Avatar. Apparently, they already made, like, a billion dollars already, so somebody wanted it. Spencer, you know what they did? I guarantee it's what the mu- uh, the music industry has been doing for a long time now, especially when streaming came out. What's to stop the studio from just buying a shitload of tickets and saying, sure. it's sold? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I forget what movie it was, but there was a movie that was universally panned, but it set records for ticket sales or something or other. It was a blockbuster hit. And I remember just seeing all this stuff online. I was like, I'm the only one in the theater. Yeah. But it said it sold out. Well, recently that, that was like more, uh, Morbius. Wasn't Morbius that? was one of those. I think, yeah, that might've been the one I'm thinking of. I don't remember, but it's like, oh, it's sold out. Oh, it sold so many tickets. I'm like nobody's in the theater. <laughs> I'm the only one here. And like the studio probably just said, how many tickets are available? We'll just buy them all. But the music industry has been doing that for a long time. They and that's how people get on the Billboard charts so much because the you know they just fluff up the numbers. It's not real. Sorry, folks, if I broke your illusions there. It's not real. And I would imagine book sales are the same. If you have a, a book you want to become very popular, how do you do that? You make it a bestseller. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good chunk of money you'd have to spend. But when you're publishing the book already. You can just say a bookstore's bought this many or something, or I like. I'm sure there's a way to fudge the numbers. Yeah, but they they make it seem popular until it actually becomes popular. Well, I'm sure, especially with the way that there's a lot like the decline. Like I know, like Bonds and Noble has been on like an uptick, but still, like we're far from the glory days of having like multiple brands of bookstores. So, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if they have like some kind of deal yeah. with like the bookstores. You know, like. Oh, hey. Well, they will, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, you know, buy this many copies and whatever doesn't sell, we just take back and burn mm-hmm. it or whatever, recycle it. So that fucks the author and maybe the bookstore or the book publisher to a degree. But the bookstore, they, they're not really on the hook for that. So that still fluffs up the numbers if it just says, oh, you know, this many books were sold because mm-hmm. technically Barnes & Noble, I think, has to buy it first, right? Yeah. And then they just get their money back when it doesn't sell. Because I know this just for my company. If we don't sell... Or, like, we could sell a shitload of beer to places, and then if it just doesn't sell and they send it back, you don't, the salespeople don't lose their numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, they still made that sale. It still exists as a sale, even though it was refunded, which I think is really stupid. Uh, I think that's just a waste on there, waste of everybody's time and money. Uh, but it's a good way to make something seem like a bestseller, even though it's not really selling that well. Again, using the music industry as an example, because I've been seeing this a lot with these really whack rappers that come out now. They call them industry plants. You know why? Because the industry uh, essentially plants these people into the business. Like you think of so the is old... it kind of like the new version of like boy bands? Yeah, like they just you know we're gonna make you real famous so we can make a bunch of money. Uh, just sign this contract and you probably won't make a bunch of money. And we're gonna pretty much just fuck you and you're not gonna be able to be creative all, at all. But you don't care. You get enough money to shut up. What was that? Um. That one uh, Puff Daddy TV show he had, like, making, making the, the band, making the band kind of like. Yeah. And when you get these industry plants, uh, what they do is they'll get their songs. Even if they're not good songs, they put them, pay the radio stations, pay TV, whatever. I don't even have TV anymore, so I don't know. Does MTV still play anything? Probably not. Uh, I'm to think, like, YouTube. Okay, just say it, YouTube. Like, we'll put it on the YouTube channel. Uh, whatever streaming services, whatever they got to do, they'll put this song so it's on every fucking thing. They get in a commercial, even better. So that's where you get like like that Jack Harlow guy I see everywhere. I can't name one fucking song, but why is he hanging out with Snoop Dogg? Why is he like at the Kentucky Derby wearing a suit? Like the, 
They put them in all these events to make it look like they're real popular and just hope they get popular. Uh, some people do, like the Megan, the, the, like the um, uh, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah, like the the Megan the Stallion. She got real famous because they just pushed her on everyone super super fucking hard. Not saying people don't like her music now or anything, but just she was like everywhere, and it's like I know not not that many people are listening to her, but I've been seeing a lot of really terrible rappers and singers. They seem to be getting super popular, but then by the end of the year, you never hear of them again. Mm. Like they, they just suck ass, but they do that so many times until at least one sticks, you know. All they need is one or two to stick, and then now you got a Cardi B who's out mm. there all the time making all them kind of money for them. And I'm sure the book industry loves to have, uh, you know, uh, one of them trophy writers on their shelf where it's like, this person brings me this much money every year when mm. they write a book. So if they could push out a new writer... Uh, who could take off real well? That's perfect for like the next J.K. Rowling. They would mm. love that. They tried like oh, fucking. They tried like hell so often, and I just never see it go anywhere yeah, because I, people don't read. Well, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm sure that there are people like like if you like if if you paid more attention probably to like the new things that are coming out more often. I'm sure that there's a lot of like oh check out this person then the next whatever or like you know what I mean and it's just like. Then nobody ever buys like the, the hype's book, yeah. not the hype's not sold, you know. Well, I mean, just look at Goodreads. They have like their Goodreads of the Year books and all kinds of lists and the top of the genre. Amazon does it too, the top sellers and all this stuff. And like, who's this guy? Yeah, they have so many and it's like, who is this? I don't I never heard of this person. And they push it super hard and they go in your emails and newsletters and all this shit. And then it's usually like you look at the reviews for the book and it's like terrible, mm. fucking not worth the hype, sucks ass. And I'm like, why? Why do we always celebrate this garbage? We're not going to talk about the celebration of mediocrity anymore, but I do want to go back to the initial point here. When you get money involved in art, just naturally, they're going to go with what's going to sell, what's popular, and most important for them, not us, what is easy to make. So you think of Marvel movies, it's very easy to have this formulaic movie versus one that you get an indie director to come in and make his Marvel movie. Or even, you know, like a Joker movie. It's a lot easier, which that's why we need more movies like Joker to become popular. Because even if you don't like that movie, you have to say, like, it's good that they made it because mm. now it shows people want a different story. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when you get a movie like that, could make a billion dollars, which is basically an art house film. If that movie didn't have the Joker as the protagonist, antagonist, kind of confusing, yeah. uh, anti-hero maybe, if you didn't have the Joker... It was, it was just amazing. a dude. It yeah. was just Joaquin Phoenix, same exact. Everything was the same, just no Bruce Wayne, no Joker, mm -hmm. uh, different names. It would fucking be still good. Like, people would be like, oh, it's a great movie. Might even win an Oscar. But just because it doesn't have the Joker attached to it, it wouldn't do the numbers. Uh, so that's kind of disappointing. But if the Marvel movies, I think, want to stay on top and keep selling, selling they're going to have to break the formula, I think. You're even, you're just seeing like a lot of backlash now. With like you know even like the uh, Black Panther two and the th the last Thor movie, people are just like we're sick of this shit. It's getting too funny. Or uh, I guess in Black Panther's case, it wasn't funny, but it was just like I don't know. Was it too? I didn't see it. Was it too serious? Or um, people just said it wasn't very good. I mean, I can understand you don't have Black Panther in it. Yeah. So it's um, not going to be the same. It wasn't. I don't know. Like I don't know why people like. People didn't like. I I think people kicked back at the ending of Black Panther mm -hmm. the most, but yeah, and uh, yeah, and one. I mean, again, we talked about this before when it first came out. Like, yeah, I kind of got to, you kind of got to give that movie a little bit of a pass with everything that yeah, that one really doesn't with. 
I think, uh, well, one thing I saw is like the botching of Namor. Like, not, not even, well, not necessarily the change of, you know, not being a Lanian and stuff, but the fact that he's Namor, however he said it. Oh, yeah. But then also, like, the guy just wasn't in good shape. Like, he, I mean, you look at Namor, it's a very specific look. Uh, you could have probably got it. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see it, so I don't know if the actor was good or not, but a lot of people were just like, yeah, that guy doesn't look like he can swim. Yeah. (laughs) So, I, I don't know. You know what they did have to do to that guy, though? They had to fucking digitally, like, shrink down that guy's package. His wiener, yeah. Well, that's a good thing to have. That's so, a good I mean, problem if, to have. So I'm guessing, like, if that was your scenario, you're like, fuck the sit-ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's real mad. He's like, God damn, it's the only thing I had going for me. <laughs> so I think, you know, if the Marvel movies, and I saw the trailer for the new Ant-Man. It looks pretty good. Like, it looks like it's taking a different turn. But if they just did a little, they don't even have to break the formula for all the movies. Just every, you know, once or twice a year, release a movie or show, uh, which I guess you could say they do with the shows. Uh, what was it? The, uh. Can't think of her name now. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of that show? WandaVision. Uh, yeah, WandaVision. Like that was a different show, right? I didn't see it, but I heard that was like a very different show. Uh, so at least they and even you know She Hulk got shit on a lot. I heard you know that's very different than what they yeah. were. Doing. So at least like you're trying with those. I just think the movies need to be more like that, where it's like, hey, we are trying to do something different. At least for one movie a year, well, you know, they don't all have to be different. And they were kind of like that there because like for for a while they're like. Captain America movie was its own kind of thing. Yeah, one but was like a spy thriller. You know, and... The first one was a period piece. Um, you had, you know, then you had like Guardians that are like, sh- like super high sci-fi, like you know. Yeah. So that, that was something that they did do there for for a while. It just seems like it all kind of blended together at some point, you know. It's so hard to, because uh, you know, people that like shit on Marvel, especially the reason it's like. Though they are doing something that has never been done in the history of any like a film or cinema, where they literally have been telling like a linear story for like ten to like fifteen years. Yeah, that, that is... like that's like that's a diff- that's a very difficult thing to do. Like, I think one of their problems is like the focus on ensemble films now, mm. and I get it because you know there's so many great characters and you want to explore them all and their stories. I mean, how many movies can have so many characters in them? Yeah. Now, obviously, the individual ones like your Ant Man's and stuff, it's still a focus on the one character, which is fine because that's how the comics are. You know, everyone gets their own run. But then, even like the Guardians of the Galaxies, which are I think the stronger franchise out of the Marvel franchise. You have like so many characters, but that works well. But that started off as an ensemble. But like, so you had what well, we all wanted was the Avengers, mm-hmm. and then we got it, and it's great. Yeah. But then after the Avengers, it's like okay, well now we are not like we have to have the Hulk, Bruce Banner, and the She Hulk show just to like boost the numbers. What are we doing? Like we have to have you know guest guests come on all like the Wandavision. I think had guests. Like we always had to have a. Oh man, you know what's what's Tony Stark's ghost doing? He just showed up. Like, who cares? Well, it, it it was hard. Like, I do think they had a, a, like a hard time trying to figure out what to do after Thanos. Yeah. You know, after after Endgame, because like I said, that's what they they did like that first ten years or so with like leading up to that, and like and like I think like the, like these past couple of things have kind of been like a breather where I think they've been trying to just tell stories that weren't necessarily collect- connecting, but then like. You know, it's it, it's it's like the Star Wars effect. Oh, give us something that's different and and not like anything else. Well, okay, well here's this. Well, it's not what I wanted. It's not the thing. Like, 
What they need to do, obviously, is bring in the X-Men Fantastic uh-huh. Four, and then your ensemble stuff gets expanded. Oh, yeah. So you're not just focusing on the same characters that are involved in the Avengers ne- universe, necessarily. It's beyond that. Uh, which, obviously, they're all in the same universe, but I mean, like, the stories. Like, now you can have Fantastic Four do their... Like how Guardians mm-hmm. is. You can have these guys do their own shit. Like, even Guardians, like, they had to throw Thor in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do we have to throw Thor in there? I mean, it's funny. It works, but it's like, come on. We don't need Thor in the Guardians. We don't need... You know what? I'm not going to say what we need. I'm not ahead of the studio. I don't even give a fuck. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say my initial point. When you involve too much money in this stuff, you get stagnant with the creative process. And here's the thing, Spencer. Say you wanted to create your own original stories, and you're just a middling novelist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not really selling I, much. Not enough to. You still have to work for a living. You can't make money off your writing. Is it bad that that's what I like? That would be like dream goal for you. Yeah. Just, just right now, it's just the middling novelist. Like, oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> be a nice step. But let's say that's where you are in your career. Uh, so that's that's cool. You're, you're making books. Select few are reading them. Maybe some really like them. Maybe get even a little cult following. You're, like, you're going to like conventions and yeah. stuff like that. You sell some books. Enough where you're like a James O. Barr who created The Crow where you get a big publisher's interest. And they say, hey, we like this series that you're doing. We want you to move up to the big league, son. We want you to write this series for us and we'll publish it and put the whole random house marketing team behind it or something. Probably doesn't have a marketing team anymore, yeah. but let's just say they did. It's like, okay, and how much are you going to pay me? We're going to pay you a million dollars, but holy <laughs> shit, okay, yeah. sign me up. Uh, but here's the thing. We're actually going to need you to do some changes. So you got this one character, probably better if he was a woman. Mm. I think that would empower females a little more. And, you know, the story's a little violent. Maybe tone it down so we can get some uh, 13- to 18-year-olds reading it. You know, and then all of a sudden, are you creating the same art you were creating? No, you're creating a watered-down version because that's what's going to sell. And that's what the fucking uncreative people, the non-creatives who run all these corporations are telling you to do. See, I think I would, what I think I would like to do in this, you know, made-up scenario. Uh, Gay Spider-Man fan fiction. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but I, I, I think I would be the, I think I would try to do the, oh, you like, you read this thing that you really like. Okay. Um, you want me to do all these changes? Well, how about instead of doing that, how about I just write you something new that fits within these? But they don't want something new. They want, or, or something else, because like, if you want, my argument would be like, like, I made this, this, like, I got this little following with this series of books. Now, the reason that I had that following is because the certain way that I write it. If I change that, there goes that initial following, plus whatever would probably get, you know, boost that with a bigger signal. So how about I just write this new series for you guys that falls within your demographics and your... They won't go for it, Spencer. You created Gonorrhea Gladiator. Yeah, okay. That's your superhero. Took off underground for some reason. Think of early Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Goofy gimmick. For some reason took off. Probably because it's goofy. Studio picks it up. You got You know what? We'll throw a curveball. We're going to say DC's picking it up. They want a serious gonorrhea gladiator. He's not a serious character, obviously. No. But they want him to go serious, and they want to sell some fucking gritty stories that you write the first six issues. They're probably going to boot you and get yeah. somebody else in there. Uh, because it's going to tank, because it's not what you initially created that the fans love. And then also because you don't have the rights to that character yeah. anymore once it tanks and they're just going to shelf it and you'll never hear Gonorrhea Gladiator again. <laughs> yeah. 
What a disgrace. No. And you will always have these hints, these little uh, drops from the stu- or from uh, DC. <laughs> it's like, hey, <laughs> drops. Uh, I was going to say drips, but that's even worse. Uh, little drips. There we go. I'll say it. You have these little drips of information that leak through that, uh, you know, under the interwebs. Like, oh, they're, they're going to bring him back. Gonorrhea Gladiator is coming back. But he never does, does he, Spencer? No. Never does. He only gets the fans' hope up, hopes up, and it just doesn't happen. Here's the thing. DC gives you a million dollars for your character. Now, you'd probably be like, okay, I'll just sell it. Fuck it. I'll take money yeah. and then go do Alan Moore, just create my own crazy shit. But here's the thing. If you're already established and that happens to you, and it's like, well, I really love that character, but now I'm not in control. Like, could you imagine you're not in control of your own work? Like, that's got to suck. Well, I think it depends on, it, like, I think it's a different thing other than, like, if you're interested in publishing it, comics, books, whatever, and then you get interest from another publisher who wants to publish that stuff other than getting interest from, like, a movie studio or something like that. Because yeah. I feel like that stuff is like, oh, hey, we want to make a movie of the... Of Gonorita uh, Gladiator. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, you do that and just do whatever the fuck you want That's with what that. That's why I say, like, like you butcher know it. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, but... Uh, Give me the money and then you just butcher it and whatever. Who cares? But it is different than if you get, like like I said, if you're self-publishing or doing, like, some indie publishing and you want... And a bigger publisher wants to pick you up and, and you know, and redo it, you know, stop putting out your stuff. Or, you know, new stories or redo, reprint the old ones or whatever... That is a bit of a different thing because then you are more actually on hands doing it and how making whatever changes they would want you to make. But then if that was the case, I would think that I would just be like, well, then I'm just not going to do it. Or just sell, like, see if, like you said, just sell them the fucking rights and have them do it and take the money and just try to come up with something else. Because I do remember in a, watching a panel years ago uh, with uh, Mike Watson on it. And he was talking about like he has uh, one of his characters in his universe that he's made uh, made is a hot shot, and he made a like mock if like to sell that character for whatever you know my money is like well I made I made a character one time I I can do it again like you know yeah. so that's a good point. Uh, it, it obviously would depend on how attached you are to your property. If you think of like an Alan Moore, you created Watchmen. That's a lot of work that went into that. I'm sure he doesn't want to see uh, those characters perverted by DC, which end up happening. I mean, depends. You know, uh, as far as I understand, a lot of people like the other Watchmen stuff and the show and everything. Mm. But to Alan Moore, that's not his vision. So obviously to him, it was perverted and they ruined it and he hates it. But though, but the thing is with that, though, that is like that was a work for hire gig. That wasn't like he came up with these characters on their own and they picked them up to, like, you know. It wasn't like he was doing Watchmen at, like, what's the uh, England publisher, the AD, whatever. Uh, 2001 AD or something. Something, whatever. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, he was, like, like had the Watchmen over there and, there and DC was like, oh, we like that. You want to come over here and, like, put it out on a bigger thing? Like, no. And kind of, like, he did kind of, but, like, all those characters are already based off existing characters. So, like, yeah. he made, he did somewhat, but, like, DC has also, like, multiple times, like, tried to make it right with, you know, money and... He's just a curmudgeon. Yeah, he just doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't want to, you know... Well, here's the thing. At least with Alan Moore, the initial product got to be creative. Yeah. So Watchmen, V for Vendetta, Killing Joe, whatever he created, even Swamp Thing, he got to do his own thing initially. Mm -hmm. So at least you got some art out of it. Uh, That's better than a lot of the situations you get nowadays where... You see this in movies where you got a lot of these uh, indie darlings. You know, they make some fucking 
funky ass movies that are just great. But most gay, people don't watch them. Gay cowboys. No, 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 input, no, 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 no. That's French. Oh. Not, no, not that, not that deep. Like Lighthouse. You oh, know? Okay. But before the Lighthouse, like obviously that that did get kind of popular. Not to a degree where everyone saw it, but when you get guys who are creating work like that, uh, then they make it big, and then all of a sudden now they're doing Marvel movies for millions and millions of dollars. But it's like, oh, you kind of sold yourself because now you're doing this stuff that's not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to create. Not to say you wouldn't want to do a Marvel movie, but even like you look at like Kevin Smith, you know, he wanted to do a a Superman movie. He was hired to do a Superman movie. He wanted to do a fucking Superman movie. Yeah. But what the studio wanted to make him do was like a Nicolas Cage giant spider tarantula movie. Like it was stupid. Uh, I still wanted to see the fuck out of that. Oh, I know. But it's just like they always have a habit of of ruining things. Think of uh, Ryan Reynolds. He wanted Deadpool so bad. And then finally the studio caved in just a little bit like, look, we'll let you do Deadpool, but you got to do it our way in this shitty Wolverine movie mm. that we're going to butcher, which should be super awesome that everybody wants Wolverine Origins. And then guess what happened? It's going to suck because we are going to get our grubby hands in there. And, you know, like the Merc with the mouth is not going to have a mouth, mouth because we know that's what fans want. So they ruined that. Uh, luckily, he stuck with it and was able to get it, you know bring it back again they still didn't want that movie to come out no. it's like these fucking studios they want to make money so bad but they don't want to make mm-hmm. money if it goes over their head like mm-hmm. if it's like like i would just shut the fuck up if i was any of these guys I'm like i don't know i don't need any creative input if you think this is gonna work and it sells fucking double thumbs up yeah, but no yeah. they always want to be like, that's cool but maybe if superman fought a giant tarantula that would be yeah. better uh sounds great actually but <laughs> for the most part these ideas are terrible it's like you just get these fucking studio execs who just ruin such great movies. And it's always over stupid stuff, too. It's like either they want just random creative control of just one thing or they want to, uh, well, we like this idea and, it, and we know it would work really well, but it's just a little more money than we want to spend. Yeah. And then they don't spend the money. And then guess what happens? They lose a shitload of money. Mm. They spend the money to make money. Like, it's just I don't know who the fuck runs Hollywood. I think Kanye West has some ideas, but it's not any <laughs> ideas that are, are cemented. In fact, I don't think um, it's not the it's not the ideas that the, us here at the at the podcast uh, share or support. Uh, but anyway, going back to the initial point, and then we can end on this. I think art kills create or art. Yeah. I think money kills creativity. I don't know too many people who are like, yeah. Again, it's a it's a double edged sword because you know you got Clive Barker can't make Hellraiser the awesome movie if he doesn't get a studio to finance mm-hmm. it and all this stuff. But luckily they saw his vision and they were like, we'll let you do it. But that was like, again, that was the 80s and 90s before this corporate America shit really got its yeah. hooks in. Because now everything is so watered down because it has to be, which I don't understand. Since when does these, these well, fucking cocaine abusing fucks in the corporate America have values all of a sudden? Well, I think, well, I think one of the major issues, especially when it comes to like movies and stuff like that, is that... Like there's the 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 places like the studios that make them. There's not no one near as many. You know, most of them are owned by Disney now. The monopoly, the monopoly just know, fucked everything up. So you don't have as many to where you like. You know, you had like Dimension Films and like yeah. Lion Gate, where you'd get like these weirder kind of like they want to stand out. So yeah, they're gonna they, publish. They'd probably be like straight to DVD or whatever. Um, well, just but, like the publishing houses, because we only have what four. Main that own everything now. Well, and then I heard something about uh, they were trying. I think 
Penguin was trying to buy a random house or no? Well, no, I think well, I think Penguin. Scrivener. I think Penguin and and Random House are together because Penguin already bought Random House or yeah. vice versa. And then they were talking. Uh, I think they were talking about being like, a Scribner or? might be like getting bought up by somebody else. They might be buying somebody else. They out. were Who trying knows? to buy somebody, but I think it got V. I think even Stephen King might have like uh, took a stand against it or I forget. I, I'm very far, far. We talked about it before in more detail when we got it right, but not anymore. No. Uh, it was one of the trending topics, but um, it was one of those things where the courts got it right. We're like, we're not going to allow you to do this because of, uh, of competition for one. Now there's less competition, but you know, if you only have one or two publishers running everything, they have no incentive to do any well, creative work anymore. I mean, the perfect uh, illustration of that is uh, back in the late late nineties, early two thousands, with uh, WWE and WCW. When you had both of them, it was fucking great and awesome, and everything was crazy. But as soon as one crumbles and goes away and you only have the one thing now. It sucks. It gets, you know, there's no, com- they had to make a second show to have fake competition with yeah. itself. Well, that's the thing. When you have that level of just, you own everything, you could do whatever you want because the, it's either the fans are going to buy it or they're not. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, and if you do whatever you want, a lot of the times that's not going to be what the fans want. It's easy to get uh, complacent that way. Yeah, it's just it's just a shitty situation to be in. And unfortunately, it seems like everything's doing that now. The movie industry, the music industry, though at least the music industry, and to a degree the comic industry, has a lot of indie stuff that's like really getting popular. Yeah. The music industry especially, because now you get, like, I'm just going to use like Chance the Rapper and Macklemore, because those are the most recent examples I can think of. Who like just did it themselves pretty much? Like they just sold their own music, which is easier now because mm-hmm. uh, of the, you know the Spotify. Uh, what we were talking about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it's easier to do that now. Though you have to be really good, or you have to be really good at branding yourself, because just like the indie publishing industry or the indie comic book industry, you have so much competition oh, at yeah. that level. Most of it's due to so you can at least if you're good, you can stand out above that. But just to market yourself. That's a skill most people don't have. That's a skill we lack. Yeah. Uh, I just, I can't, it's not even something to figure out. I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the problem. I just I hate it so much. I don't want to do it. But yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. Just something that's been irritating me as of late. A lot of things have been irritating me as of late. But that's, that's just like, I don't like that money has its fucking dirty mitts in every creative endeavor that seems to come out anymore. Uh, it would be fine, like you said, if we had more companies that they had to take risks if they want to stand out mm-hmm. you think of all the old because like even like mtv and stuff they were their own thing for a while and then i think they got bought up by viacom or something but the, when they were their own thing it's like we're gonna take risk we're gonna have a you know yo mtv raps we're gonna mm-hmm. have a metalhead show i think it was like headbangers ball mm-hmm. we're gonna have actual music videos that's not a thing like they're innovative in the 90s we're gonna have liquid television that's just weird anime mm-hmm. shit we're gonna beavis and but we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want to do and then at some point, it's like, no, now what you got to do since we bought you out is you're going to have 13 different shows that are all about 16-year-old girls having babies. You're going to have, who's the fattest, like TLC, that just turned into the, oh, yeah. who's that, the fattest fuck on the planet? They really need to change the name of that station. How many hot dogs can you swallow before they start popping out your asshole? <laughs> like, see, that's a double asshole, asshole, because they come out as whole hot dogs. Yeah. That's clever. Oh. Uh, folks, we thank you for listening this far. If you have... Sorry, this episode really got off topic when we the boner stuff. Boner's another good dick yeah. word. Yeah. Because boner is also a mistake. And when I, I purposely in my life use words like that the wrong way that are actually the right way. Yeah. So, you know, 
if I trip or something, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I made a boner. Yeah. And people are like, what? Or you could just be like, what a boner, and just be people like, yeah, what, where, where? Yeah, I, I, so. Checking you know, themselves. Make like, a mistake, what? I call it a boner. Growing Pains had a character named Boner. Yeah. Which is great. It's the best name I ever on television. Especially on a show called Growing Pains. Yes, that's <laughs> it's just fucking awesome. And it's so funny, because uh, what Mike Seaver, uh, Kirk Cameron's all religious and shit, and he, like, ruined the show, because he's a fucking asshole. So, yeah, we got Boner. I was going somewhere with this, and I forgot. I don't remember. Anyway, it's not important. You're working on the outro, bud. Uh, no, I want more boner <laughs> stuff, but I always want more boners. You can follow us at DPW Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can like us and rate us and give us all the stars on uh, what iTunes. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, I know there's other stuff. Um, I think it's just it might just be Apple Music now. I don't know. iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Castbox, whatever the fuck. We're we're on almost everything. Um, there's a couple of things I had to renew because we got bumped off somehow. Like Google Play, we weren't or Hmm. Google Music, Google something. We weren't on there anymore, and I just had to do like a code. And I think we're on there again. I don't know. Um, Spencer's OnlyFans. What are you this week? You are cooking cocks in Kingston, I believe. Yes, that's Jamaica, by the way. Makes sense now that you mm. think about it. Oh, Jamaica, yeah, they have a lot of chickens in there. Jerk chicken, actually. Good. I like me a good jerk chicken. Uh, you like your chicken jerked? Like a real jerked. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, you could uh, check out my stuff at calebjamesk.com. Uh, as I mentioned before, I was published in Coalition Works. That was last week. February, I should be published in another one. And I'm waiting to hear back on some things, but I am disgruntled with some of these rejections I'm getting because when I see what's published, I'm like, Drevel, fucking trash. <laughs> and then I just start playing with my tallywhacker. <laughs> Get the rage out. That just sounds better. Like, I'm going to go play a game of tallywhacker. It sounds like something you do in the shed. Knob is a good one. I like yeah, knob. The British have the best words for penis, mm-hmm. I think. I bet you they invented schlong. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, we should do a whole episode on the different ways you can say dick in different countries. I like it. Because there's a lot of euphemisms for dick, too. Uh, so anyway, we thank you for listening, and we will check you out manana. Not tomorrow, but mm. let's just say tomorrow. Mm.